you have your Bibles this morning, I'll be in the letter of Philemon. <clears throat> it's in the New Testament right before Hebrews. I want to talk to you today about how spiritual children embrace their identity in Christ. How spiritual children embrace their identity in Christ. See if you know this quote. I'm sure you've heard it. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That's in the opening paragraph of A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. It describes two realities, one that is and one that could be. And I think it's very fitting of life. Does it describe your life right now? There are times when you know who you are, and then there's times when you know who you want to be and who God's calling you to be. And sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes, you know, it's something we wrestle over. I guess the key question is, have you ever struggled with becoming who God is calling you to be? He's calling you to be, you know, this godly person. He's calling you to be this person who loves him, who loves people, who makes disciples. He's calling you to follow Jesus. And there are times when we feel like we do that well, and then there's days when we just feel like we don't, or at least I do. And um, that's where I think sometimes we struggle. So how do you embrace this identity of being in Christ? Um, that's what I want to talk to you about today. You know, you look at um, our lives, even, even church. You know, sometimes we go through the uh, motions of stuff just because we know when to sit down and stand up and we, we know the words and we can sing and we can pray and we can listen and we can go home and... Hopefully things change, but sometimes they don't. We just go through it because it's routine. It's something that we're used to. And then we have these memorable moments like this week. And I, I wanted to say thank you to everybody that participated this week. Uh, matter of fact, if you participated this week in VBS, won't you stand for just a minute? I know we had a whole lot of help. Won't you thank them? Thank you. <clears throat> and by the way, Peyton, that was a great video. That was really good. We got some, some talent in our students, and uh, uh, appreciate uh, him using his gift. Um, this week is one of those weeks where it took everybody, all hands on deck. I mean, the, the ones that, that drove the buses. We had, to, we had to use both buses and the van this week to go get kids. And uh, then all of those that, that helped, whether you were teaching at a station or walking around with a, a group, uh, serving in the kitchen, um, my goodness, uh, uh, up in the balcony here on the stage. I mean, just everybody pitched in and everybody helped, and it's awesome. And it reminds me of, you know, when we are at our best, when we as Pleasant Hill are at our best, we're serving. We're focused on others. We're loving God. We're loving people. We're making disciples. And that's what God wants us to do. It doesn't have to be just, you know, a couple times a year. But when we catch that vision and when we embrace what God is calling you and me and all of us to do, then all of a sudden we realize, you know, it can be the best of times. It can be the worst of times. But when you know who you are in Christ and you pursue that, with all that you have, then you see God move in you, 
you see God work through you, and man, I can't think of a better way to live. I really, really can't. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Look, if you will, in Philemon, and um, I want to uh, back up just a little um, there in Philemon. Uh, go to verse 9. I want to get a running start. In Philemon, verse 9, Paul says, I appeal to you, he's talking to Philemon, I appeal to you instead on the basis of love, I, Paul, as an elderly man, and now also as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, appeal to you for my son Onesimus. I became his father while I was in chains. Once he was useless to you, but now he is useful both to you and to me. I am sending him back to you. I am sending my very own heart. I wanted to keep him with me so that in my imprisonment for the gospel he might serve me in your place. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that your good deed might not be out of obligation, but of your own free will. For perhaps this is why he was separated from you for a brief time, so that you might get him back permanently, no longer as a slave, but much more than a slave, as a dearly loved brother, he is especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Now, what is this about? This is a short little letter about the size of a postcard in our New Testament. There's three people involved, Paul, Philemon, and Onesimus. Paul is the one that, wrote, that writes the letter. He writes it to a guy named Philemon who has a runaway slave named Onesimus. We don't know exactly what Onesimus did. It's implied when you read the letter that Onesimus did some things. Perhaps he stole something from his master, and then he ran. He ran away. Eventually, Onesimus meets Paul. Paul shares the gospel with Onesimus. And that's why Paul says to Philemon in regard to Onesimus, he says, I became his father while in chains. In other words, Paul became Onesimus' spiritual father because he shared the gospel with Onesimus. And he heard it, he believed it, and he was saved. He received new life in Jesus Christ and now Paul is stepping out and he's saying you know as an apostle Philemon I could command you and order you to do something but I want to appeal to you on the basis of love I want to give you an opportunity to make a choice here but I really want to encourage you to take Onesimus back no longer as a slave but as a brother in Christ now that is very radical especially when you go back to that day, that time, and that culture. That is radical. So uh, Onesimus is a runaway slave. He's come to faith in Christ through the influence of Paul. What's next for Onesimus? Can you imagine being in his shoes? Now that you've received Christ, the guy that led you to the Lord says, I want you to go back to your master. What? Think about that for a minute. Maybe fear comes to mind. Not, not that Philemon was a, a bad guy at all, but maybe he doesn't want to go back into slavery. After all, he ran. But he needs to make it right. Now that he's a Christian, he wants to live right, so he's got to make things right. So Onesimus is willing to go back and face his master. He's willing to, to ask for forgiveness. He's willing to be reunited to his master, but at the same time, it's a game changer. Because he's a believer. His master is a believer. They'll be brothers in Christ. That is a game changer. 
And so that's the message today. So think about it for just a minute. Here is, here is Onesimus, and everything that's going on in his life right now revolves around this issue of identity. Hey, Onesimus, will you embrace the life that God is calling you to live? Hey, Onesimus, will you embrace your identity in Christ and be a new person moving forward? No more doing wrong. No more running. No more hiding. Go back, do the right thing, and from this moment forward, live your life in light of who God's calling you to be. Now that hits us all. That's where we live. Are you going to be the person that God is calling you to be tomorrow, this week, next month, next year? What is he calling you to do? Well, let me just say this. Whatever God wants to do in your life, it has everything to do with you embracing your identity in Christ. You got to know that you're not the same person anymore. You got to know whose you are. You belong to Jesus now. I love what Paul said in Galatians 2, uh, 2 2.20. He said, For I have been crucified with Christ, and yet I live. Paul is saying, Look, you know, Christ died for me, but I also died with him. I'm not the same person anymore. I'm not going to live my life the same old way anymore. I'm going to live my life by putting my faith in the one who loved me and laid down his life for me. And I'm going to pursue him each and every day. And I'm going to embrace my identity in Christ. Well, here's what I'm going to do in the short time we have together today. Is I want to answer the question, how do spiritual children embrace their identity in Christ? Because see, Onesimus was a young believer. He had just come to know the Lord. He is now a child of God. He's a child of the King. And now that affects everything about his life moving forward. And so now he's got to embrace a new identity, a new Lord, a new lifestyle, completely different from anything he's ever known. It affects everything. It affects his heart. It affects his way of life. Is he still a slave? Yes, but he's more than a slave. He's a child of God. He's a brother to Philemon in Jesus Christ. So how do spiritual children embrace their identity in Christ? Number one, discover God's purpose for your life. You see, when, when uh, Onesimus ran into Paul and he was confronted with the gospel and he heard it and he believed it and he was saved, he discovered God's purpose in his life. He realized that for those that run and they're trying to escape something, and there's a ransom out on their life. Hey, have you seen this guy? He's wanted. And all of a sudden, he finds a redeemer. Someone who's paid the price for his crime. Someone who has stepped in and took his place and said, charge it to my account. And that's what Christ did for Onesimus. And that's what he did for you too. When you and I come to the Lord Jesus Christ, when we are saved and we receive new life in Christ, we discover God's purpose in life. And what is it? To know Him and to love Him. Do you know the Lord? Do you love the Lord? If, if you don't know the Lord yet, if you don't love the Lord yet, you, you've missed your purpose in life. We was talking in Sunday school this morning about a rich man who looked around and said, what am I going to do now that you know, the Lord has blessed me. I know I'll build bigger barns to hold more stuff. And 
And Jesus tells that story and he says, you fool, God will require your life this very night. You know, we can live for the things of this world. We can accumulate more stuff and we can store more stuff. But at the end of the day, guess what? It's just stuff. What matters is not what you have uh, in this world, but it's what you know in the next world. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? Knowing him is eternal life. That's John 17, verse 3. Do you know him? Because when you know the Lord, you discover God's purpose for your life. A second thing, how do, you, how do spiritual children embrace their identity in Christ? Number two, discern God's perspective in your circumstances. Discern God's perspective in your circumstances. Love that story Brother Danny shared. You know, we can be overwhelmed by what's going on around us. But when we get our eyes on Jesus, then we discern God's perspective on the matter. And we go, he's God. He's in control. He, he's got this. Well, how does that apply to Onesimus? Well, Paul shares in this letter to Philemon. He says, look. <clears throat> he says, perhaps, in verse 15, this is why... He was separated from you for a brief time so that you might get him back permanently, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, as a dearly loved brother. So Paul is writing Philemon and he's saying, you know, you may have wondered why did this happen? Why did Onesimus uh, run away? And, and why did he run into Paul? And why did, why did all this happen? Well, maybe God used this circumstance, this situation, so Onesimus would end up right in the crossroads of meeting Paul who would share the gospel with him and he would hear and believe and totally change his life. And so even though Philemon lost Onesimus for a season because he ran away, now he's going to receive him back not only as a slave but as a brother. And you know, you look at our lives why did this have to happen? Why did that have to happen? I want to tell you something. Be careful with that because those why questions, they never really satisfy. You can, you can pick that all day long. Why did that have to happen? I can't believe that happened. Why did they do this and why did they do that? But look past that for just a minute. What did God do about it? Well, he didn't stop it from happening. Well, it still hurts. Well, that's fine. But have you allowed God to use it in your life for your good and his glory. Don't forget Romans 8, 28, and we know, okay, and we know what? That all things work together for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. It doesn't mean that everything's good, but it means that God works through everything for our good. And when you go through things and you wonder, why did this happen? Why did that happen? When you begin to embrace your identity in Christ, then you can discern God's perspective on your circumstances. And Paul is saying, look, y'all, I know this sounds bad. You know, you had a, a runaway slave, and that's wrong, and, and, and he's on the run, and he finds me. But look what God did. God worked in this situation to where the runaway slave needed Jesus, and now he has Jesus, and now I'm sending him back to you and now you're going to be a picture of the gospel in your community. Now you can share this story with people and they'll go, why did you come back, man? 
I mean, you, 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 got, you got out of Dodge. You, you got away from your master. If you kept going, you, you, you'd never have to come back. Oh, yeah, I had to come back because I found Jesus. And now I live my life a different way. I live my life for him, and I want to do the right thing. And the right thing was to come back and to faithfully serve my master. But not only is he my master, he's my brother in Jesus Christ. What a picture. You see, here's the thing. We miss, we miss so much when we write something off and say, well, I don't know why that happened. But when we embrace the identity we have in Christ, we can discern how God works through all kinds of situations, not just the good, but the bad and the ugly. And if we let him, he can work in it. He can work through it. He can work in spite of it. And if we'll just embrace the fact that he's God and we're not, we can discern his perspective in our circumstances. And the circumstance may not change, but our attitude does. Because when we change our attitude, we begin to realize, look at what God did. The third thing that we learn about how to, dis, how to do spiritual children embrace their identity in Christ is we develop our God-given potential. We develop our God-given potential. Now, this one here, I want you to think about. God has given you so much. He's given me so much. But you know what they say about potential. Everybody has potential, but it's what you do with it. I mean, you go down the road and you see this huge building that used to be a, a wonderful restaurant or a wonderful workplace, and now it's sitting there empty. It has potential. But until someone leases it or buys it and moves in and renovates it and, and occupies it and starts doing something with it, it's just potential. And you and I, so many times in our lives, we talk about potential, but we need to put feet to our prayers and do something with it. And here's the rub. God wants you to love Him. He wants you to trust Him. He wants you to obey Him. But He's not going to make you. You think about that for a minute. He's not going to make you. Go back and look at this passage here in Philemon. And look, if you will, in verse 11. Let's read it again. Paul is writing to Philemon. He says, once Onesimus was useless to you. I mean, it got to the point to where he, the, the, the slave is doing wrong and now he's run away, uh, completely useless to me. But now, now he is useful both to you and to me. Why? Because he's got a new master. He's serving a new king. He's part of a new kingdom, the kingdom of God. He's serving his master, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's changed him from the inside out. And now Onesimus has a kingdom purpose on his life. And as a result, Paul says this. He says, I'm sending him back to you, Philemon. I'm sending my very own heart. Now watch how Paul handles this. I wanted to keep him with me. I mean, wow, I found a man that's now got God in his heart, God in his life. I need more people like that around me. But Paul says, no, I'm sending him to you because you are his master. I wanted to keep him with me so that in my imprisonment for the gospel, he might serve me in your place. In other words, hint, hint, wink, wink. Philemon, I know that you would do it if you were here. 
but you're not. And I wanted him to serve in your place, but that's not my place. That's not my decision. I'm sending him back to you. Look there in verse 14. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent so that your good deed might, be, might not be out of obligation, but of your own free will. Here's the amazing part to this little letter in the Bible. I think it's why it's in the Bible. It's Paul is saying, look, Onesimus is not the same person that ran away from you. He's saved. He's been changed. And now I'm sending him back to you, Philemon. And I want you, on the basis of love, I want you to accept him as a brother in Christ. But I can't make you do that. It's your decision. Sometimes when God does wonderful things in our lives, He sort of sets the table. He engineers the circumstances. Everything is there except for you and your obedience. And then He says, catch the picture. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I want to do in your life. What are you going to do with that? Because God won't make you. See, that's what, that's what blows me away about God. God is God. We are not. He is almighty. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He can snap his fingers and things can be done. When he speaks, things happen. In the beginning, he said, let there be light, and there was light. I mean, when God says something, it happens. When he does something, it's done. And yet, when it comes to us joining him in his work, and being an active participant in His kingdom and serving Him wherever He's placed us to do whatever He's called us to do. He says, I'm not going to make you. It's your decision. What are you going to do with that? You see, if we embrace our identity in Christ, He's God, I'm not. And now I belong to Jesus and I want to serve Him. I want to obey Him. I want to love Him. I want to follow Him. I want to do what He's called me to do. I, I love what one guy told me many years ago. He says, you know, I just want to go where God wants me to go and do what He wants me to do and be who He wants me to be. And I thought, you know, that's a good way to summarize your life right there. Go where He calls you to go. Do what He calls you to do and be who He's commanded you to be. And when you do that, then you discover God's purpose for your life. And you discern His perspective in your circumstances. And you begin to develop your God-given potential. But listen, it's your choice. He's not going to make you. So all I want to say is this. Think about your life right now. Maybe you feel like it's the best of times. It's the worst of times. There are some moments, yeah. This is it. There are some moments, man, I can't believe I'm going through this. And through it all, what is God doing in your life? Don't leave him out. Factor him into the equation. Realize he transcends everything. You, your circumstances, your problems, everything. Who is he calling you to be? What is he calling you to do? Like I said, we're at our best when we are loving God, when we're loving others, when we're making disciples, when we're putting feet to our faith and we're serving those around us and letting them just see Christ in us and through us. That's us corporately. 
What about you individually? What does God want to do in your life? And what are you going to do about it? When you realize I'm a child of the King, I've been saved, I've been changed, I'm not the same old person I used to be, all of a sudden that frees you to focus on the person that God is calling you to be. And when you pursue that, I'm not promising you a bed of roses. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But what I am saying is this. When you pursue that, you'll experience God working in you and through you. And there's no greater way to live than that. But guess what? God wants you to join him in his work. He's not going to make you. He says, here it is. Here's the picture. Are you in it? Do you want to be in it? Are you ready to take that step? I'll meet you where you are. And he will. He absolutely will. You see, it's interesting. There was one reason why this little book called Philemon wasn't put in the Bible, but I'm sure glad it was. It's because it never explicitly shares the gospel. You know, Jesus lived, he died, he rose again. He's coming back. What are you going to do about it? But the fingerprints of that story are all over it. We'll finish Philemon next week where Paul writes in the rest of the letter. And by the way, Philemon, if he's done anything wrong, if Onesimus owes you anything when he comes to you to be reconciled, charge it to my account. Isn't that what Jesus did for you and me? Paul is modeling, demonstrating through real relationships and people that he actually knew the power of the gospel, how it changes our relationships with each other. I want you to know something. Do you know the Lord? That's the key to your purpose. Do you know the Lord? He loves you. He died on the cross for you. He rose again on the third day. He's coming back someday. He says, come, trust, and follow me. Will you do that? And when you look at your life someday and you stand before God, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, Jesus will be standing there by your side on Judgment Day and he'll say, Father, I paid for that because it's charged to me. You see, we don't walk into heaven because of our own merit. We don't, de we don't deserve God's favor or grace. How do we get there? We realize that there is one who took our place. He died for our sins. And he says, charge it to my account. It's like Brother Steve said. If you take that and claim that, and it personally becomes your own, then it's Jesus plus nothing. Do you know the Lord? Has he changed your life? If he has, then you're on track to pursue his will for your life. Embrace the identity that we have in Christ and see all of these things come to fruition. If not, that is exactly where you start.